on. I'm on three seats. Look, there goes the game. You are listening to the summer edition of Ithaca Now. WICB's weekly news program focused on the stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Celine Stach, and thanks for joining us. On tonight's show, we'll be taking a look at how the pandemic has affected both the theater community and the homeless population. But up first, WICB News correspondent Lauren Leon spoke to some of the local economic leaders from the Downtown Ithaca Alliance and Tompkins Chamber of Commerce about the factors impacting the local economy for the upcoming months. Cornell University, Ithaca College, and Tompkins Cortland Community College have released their fall reopening plans in recent weeks. With these plans come questions about what the economy in Ithaca and Tompkins County will look like when these schools reopen in the fall. Cornell will start virtual and in-person instruction September 2nd following a phased move-in and students will return home before Thanksgiving and finish the semester remotely in December. Ithaca College plans for dual instruction and a staggered return to campus from September to early October. Students will shift from in-person to virtual classes in November and complete final exams at home. TC3 will begin in-person, virtual, and hybrid classes August 31st and hold its finals week in mid-December. Historically, Ithaca's population and economic activity have boomed dramatically with increased student presence. But amid the coronavirus pandemic, New York State is issuing conditional reopening orders with strict safety precautions that may limit business operations come the fall. Movie theaters are closed right now because the state mandates that they be closed. That's Downtown Ithaca Alliance Executive Director Gary Ferguson. He says that the large number of students returning to Ithaca does not mean that local businesses will be given the green light from the state to reopen. When students come back, there will be a audience and a demand for some goods and services. The question is, where will we be in the state's reopening policy to allow that to happen? It may be you have a bunch of students and faculty members and staff members who are dying to go to a movie theater but can't because the state won't let them. Ferguson says Ithaca businesses have been hard hit by a combination of the pandemic, the subsequent economic recession, and campus closures. The extent of financial hardship has depended on the size and type of the business, but it is especially pronounced in retailers frequented by college students. Cornell students alone spend $225 million annually in the Ithaca area, according to the university's 2019 local economic snapshot. Ithaca College is limiting access to its campus to students, faculty, and staff, and students are expected to move themselves into their on-campus housing. Cornell is restricting visits from outside guests, and tours and in-person events are canceled. Tompkins County Chamber of Commerce President and CEO Jennifer Tavares says a large percentage of businesses in Tompkins County derive 70% or more of their revenue from student and visitor spending. Every time there's a parents weekend or every time there's an alumni weekend or event, graduation weekend alone is a huge economic impact just by itself. And there's a lot of visitation around the campuses, right? There's a lot of student tours that happen. There's a lot of friends that come to see you all. Parents come and visit and they all like to enjoy the community while they're here. 
the vast majority of spending at a lot of our local businesses is in some way, shape, or form connected to the campus operations. Tavares and Ferguson both say they are concerned about consumer buying habits in the fall because students may have less disposable income to spend or may be more inclined to remain isolated on campus. They agree that if students find creative ways to shop at independently owned stores in Ithaca and Tompkins County, it will have a more meaningful local impact than if they purchase from major online retailers. Ferguson adds, Be sure that you just don't dial it in and sort of give all your money to to Amazon. There's an opportunity to support independent local businesses, and frankly, without your support, we won't have them. We like it when communities have a great assortment of businesses, but we only have those assortments of businesses if people patronize them. With a loss of business from customers, certain area employers may be hiring fewer student workers for part-time and temporary positions. While there still are available jobs in the community, Ferguson says that for students seeking employment, they will not be hiring at the same rate they would have if they could get full capacity. So you're going to see some of that happen where there will be less opportunity. There will be some. There are places out there that are hiring now. But there will be that case where cases where folks aren't able to generate the revenue that they need. There will not be those jobs available. The city of Ithaca and Tompkins County are experiencing budget deficits and reduced municipal tax revenues, which may potentially result in cuts to city and county public services. Tavari says that further financial losses may be preventable through responsible consumer behavior. A sustained economic recovery under COVID while we still are dealing with the pandemic will only be achieved if we don't have another widespread COVID scare in this community. Though the outlook for economic growth is more promising with students back in Ithaca, Tavares adds, I think to a large degree, our economic recovery and how sustained it is and how well we are able to take advantage of the students coming back to the community and the college campuses reopening, it's all going to come back down to the behaviors that we all exhibit and how good we are at following those rules and making sure that we don't have to shut down again. So how could the local economy look in the fall based on these campus reopening plans? Although it's hard to be certain, the answer will likely depend on state guidelines, where and how students are shopping, student employment, and other safety measures that have to be followed in the fall. For WICB News, I'm Lauren Leone. You're listening to Ithaca Now on WICB. I'm your host, Celine Tash. The pandemic has affected every walk of life for every type of person. And unfortunately, that includes people in need. WICB correspondent Vedant Akari got to speak to the representatives from Second Wind, an organization here in the Ithaca area that does hands-on work with the homeless population. For over five decades, the jungle has served as Ithaca's region for the homeless population. Its residents have come and gone over the past five decades, living in tents and wood structures. As of January 2019, New York had an estimated 92,091 experiencing homelessness on any given day, as reported by Continuums of Care to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. On top of that, the world is undergoing the COVID-19 pandemic. 
For the homeless at the jungle, the ongoing pandemic could increase mental health problems, substance abuse, and financial hardships. And summertime, which is right now at time of recording, is when the jungle's population tends to exceed 60. Second Wind Cottages is a not-for-profit organization in Tompkins County. It provides cottages to homeless men and provides them a supportive environment to reintegrate into society. Our mission statement is we walk with people towards restored lives. Housed. And housed. Housed and walk with people towards restored lives. We do work directly with people in the jungle, building relationships with them, pretty much just becoming a friend and then trying to support them in any forward movement that they want to make to get out of homelessness. That was Sandy Sorensen, the executive director of Second Wind. She works alongside Carmen Guidi, who founded the organization in 2012, and here is why. God changed my heart, and so um, he gave me a, 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 um, a desire to help people that, that, that needed help. So that's what kind of transformation took, took part in, in my life. Before, I, I would have bumped into one of these guys on a sidewalk, and I probably would have looked at him and said, get with the program, get a job. I wouldn't have given him the time of day, but after that transformation, I went to Haiti and, and helped build an orphanage there, which was a part of that too, and came back. That's when I started to reach out into the into the community of, of homeless people and building relationships with them and ultimately building houses for them. Second Wind acts as a support system for these men. It provides them countless opportunities for job connections and training, hopefully guiding them towards a second chance towards their goals whether it be financial and or mental. Second Wind also relies on volunteers for not only cottage building, but also for relationship building. We know how important relationship is. And so when volunteers come, they, build, they start to build relationships with the people that live here. And a lot of the stigma and a lot of the, the, the barriers are, are, are brought down. So that's a, so it's a, it's a lose-lose. We're losing, plus the guys here are, are losing. And so um, it's, yeah, it's, it's affected it big time. And, and um, you know, for a while, uh, we, were, we were not allowing anybody to move out, but, but now we're, we're, we're past that part. But still, it, still, it still has a huge effect. So what exactly is, are you guys doing to support their mental health? As I'm sure a lot of people are struggling, not just the homeless people, while staying indoors and the uncertainty of a better future during coronavirus. I would say that most of our guys didn't fall into that situation. Most of our guys still had to report in person for parole and probation. They had to go downtown. A lot of them had jobs that were essential, so they kept working, or they were able to work jobs that were essential, so they were out trying to get jobs. I think mental health was a big factor in COVID because a lot of them, you know, when you work really hard to get towards a goal and then everything's just cut off all at once, it just feels hopeless again. Um, so we had, you know, some guys that were working really hard to get visitation with their children again, and that had just started up and then COVID happened and then visitation was not allowed anymore. Or they had just gotten established in a job and then they were laid off. So even though they were leaving the house and able to leave the house, it was hard to keep them engaged and wanting to keep trying when they felt like they had just lost everything. On site, we have some projects that we created. 
that a few of the guys engaged in. So we have community gardens and two guys really took on um, gardening during this time. So setting up the gardens, planting, along with those came some like little projects like to build the chicken run or um, maintenance projects around here. So we tried our best to like have things that the guys could do if they wanted to. Um, we got a grant to pay a couple of the guys to help with some of the cleaning and sanitation that had to be stepped up because of COVID. Um, so we were able to employ them. You know, we're about building relationships and community. And so to not be able to have people come on site, like our volunteer base get cut off, that was really hard. Finally, I asked Carmen and Sandy if they have any advice for someone who is on the brink of homelessness or already homeless. The most vulnerable people have suffered the most from this COVID thing. And, and, and it's because, I mean, my, everybody's got their own opinion. My opinion is that they shouldn't have shut down all of those um, things that, that these people need. And it's, and I've, I've seen the ramifications from them. So it's kind of discouraging. Um, so, I mean, we tell some of the guys that really struggled here when it started, it's just, you gotta, you gotta hang on. I mean, that, that sounds, that sounds like a pitiful, you know, statement, right? Just hang on. But I mean, what else, you know, we, we are ourselves spend a lot of time with, with people and, and it's, it's all relationship. It, it really is. I mean, that's, that's the key to actually, that's the, that's the main, that's the main reason why people become homeless. It's not, it's not economics. It's not this, it's, it's broken relationships. I, I believe that hundred percent. So that's what we strive to do. And, um, but you know, some people just aren't there yet. You know, they're, they're not to a place where they can trust another person. They've been, they've been hurt. They've had trauma in their life. So they're not there yet. And there's just, it's really frustrating and, and, and heart wrenching to see those people just, you know, cycle down because you can't, you know, you can't turn a switch, you know. The only thing we can try to do is encourage them to just keep, just keep fighting yeah. like, for what they want. You know, a lot of, a lot of these people don't have an imagination for one year from now or three years from now. And so we try to help them create that and just keep working towards that. And that might mean that for the next two months, you can't do anything towards that. And that's really frustrating and hopeless. But that like, because of COVID, like that happened. Some people just have to put their plan on hold. Um, and so then trying to create imagination for like, what can you do during this time that you're on hold? You know, what skills can you learn? Or, or how can you engage in what we have here? Um, you know, so we can, we can say all those things and give them all that advice, but it's up to them to receive it. And that's been the tricky part. Some people give up hope, they just give up hope. For WICB News, I'm Vedanta Kari. You're listening to Ithaca Now on WICB. I'm your host, Celine Stash. Many people are missing the performing arts this summer, but many artists and organizations have found ways to keep going, even when social distancing. WICB News Director Jay Bradley reached out to the Hangar Theatre about their virtual season and what you can look forward to from them for the rest of the summer. Now, I'm a theater head, and I'm sure some of you listening are too. So then, what is a theater goer to do now that the Hamilton on Demand hype has died down and the pandemic continues to keep live performing arts out of reach? Well, just like a lot of things now, the answer is virtually. 
I got to speak with Dina Gitlin of the Hangar Theatre Company about the virtual season they've created and what's coming up. I'm Dina Gitlin and I'm the marketing director at the Hangar Theatre Company. So tell me about the Hangar's transition to the virtual season. Sure. Um, so around March, we had an entire live season planned in our theater. And then, you know, due to things surrounding the effects of COVID-19, um, unfortunately, we just kind of had to scrap everything. You know, there were a lot of things that the CDC was recommending, but really our audience's health and safety came first. So even though there were still some patrons that were hoping we could have live events in the theater, we knew that, you know, that just did not seem possible. So we kind of, as a staff, collectively just put our heads together and figured out how we could make it work. Um, so that includes main stage, kid stuff, as well as all of our education programs. So you still managed to have a complete season set up despite that then? Yes, exactly. What kind of things have you done and what are some of the things you're still looking forward to? Oh, sure. Um, so we just completed our third main stage production. Um, just last Saturday, we had a production of um, Queen's Girl in the World, um, which is a one woman show. Um, the playwright is Colleen Sinette Jennings. Um, so we actually do hope to fully produce the live version of that on stage next year. Um, and then July 25th, um, I am particularly excited about this production. Um, we're doing something called Honk Your Horn, Celebrate Musical Theater, um, which is featuring um, basically all-star hanger favorites. Um, it's a completely BIPOC cast, um, and it's featuring Austin Scott, who was the lead in Hamilton on Broadway for two years. Um, and he, his Hangar connection is that he played Benny in In the Heights at the Hangar Theater in 2017. That production, along with Kinky Boots last year, were two that were, you know, completely sold out houses. So I think Hangar patrons and subscribers are especially excited about that. Directing Honk Your Horn is um, our artistic director, Michael Barakiva, as well as Jerry McIntyre, who um, directed Kinky Boots at the Hangar last year. And joining them also is Darius Harper, who played Lola in Kinky Boots. What have the theater goers said about this? Have they been supportive? So we've, you know, we've had some mixed reviews. I think switching to a completely virtual model is a big change. Um, but I think in general, our subscribers and patrons are just really excited that we're still doing something. We're still here. Um, we're trying to inspire audiences and can connect, you know, now virtually from anywhere. Um, so the overall responses have been great. Um, you know, our subscribers that thought they were getting a live season at the hangar now have access to all five virtual shows. Um, so they can still kind of have their hangar theater experience, um, but from the comfort of their own homes. You're listening to Jay Bradley speak to Theana Gitlin of the hangar theater on their current virtual season. And what about the non-main stage productions that you guys have been doing? Our kid stuff production. Um, we will have four total, 
and um, the actors of those kids stuff shows are part of our now virtual lab company. Um, so they're young theater professionals. A lot of them are college age or recent graduates. Um, so they are actually helping to devise a world premiere of um, a you know, traditional story, Shayla the Great and the Magic Paintbrush. And it stars actors from our virtual lab company, AK Payne commissioned it for The Hangar. So, you know, again, it's a world premiere seen for the first time. Um, and all of our kids stuff shows this year, we decided to make free and available to anyone. Um, we will also archive them. So you can visit hangartheater.org slash kids stuff from now until forever and see them all archived. So going off of that, is there anything different about the virtual nature of these? For example, it's probably much easier to archive these. Do you have plans to maybe let some of these be accessed after the performance or holding on to them for your own reasons? Um, so for our main stage shows, unfortunately, we, we cannot archive them. Um, basically, the permissions that we were granted from Actors' Equity only allow to do a one-time virtual streaming show, so you miss it and it's gone. Um, but the kids stuff shows will be available um, after the fact so that families can enjoy them um, anytime. Gotcha. And I believe I saw that you're still doing classes over the summer? So probably our um, next-gen um, classes for young audiences. Um, each summer we have Next Generation School of Theater for grades one through 12 at the Hangar Theater. Um, this year we completely adapted it into a virtual format so children can join on from home. Um, and honestly, the, the really nice thing about that is that it allows people to connect from anywhere. Um, in one of our last sessions, we actually had someone um, joining us from Denmark, which, you know, obviously we couldn't do in the physical theater. Yeah. So we're finding that, you know, um, children are having cousins from other states join them and they can connect. I think kids especially are missing young, you know, friendships and connections. So being able to bond and connect with um, people and meet new um, kids and friends is really exciting to them. And what kinds of things have you heard from your actors, the directors, about working with this new format that many of them probably never really had experience with before? Um, so, you know, there is always kind of the scary factor just where you're going live and anything can happen. Um, but that isn't so different from being on the stage and, you know, your screen freezes for a second versus being on the stage and your mic cuts out. Um, so it kind of just creates new challenges that we adapt to. Um, I think, especially for the actors, they do miss having... Um, that connection with the audience and hearing the live applause, um, because especially in um, the last show that we produced, uh, Queen's Girl in the World, it was a one-woman show. So instead of just staring at herself the whole time, she actually invited a couple of her friends and family members to, jo to join the Zoom call so that they could watch her just so sh she could see, you know, the responses in their faces to what she was putting out. And what more is there about what you've experienced and what there still is to look forward to? We 
hope to have a live summer season in 2021, but only time will tell. Um, so we encourage audiences and patrons to follow us on social media, um, and we will share future plans as soon as we have them. We do have um, one last Kid Stuff production, and that is July 25th. Young audiences and families can tune in to youtube.com slash hangar theater at 1030 on that day. And our final main stage productions are August 8th and then um, before that, July 25th. That was Thena Gitlin, Marketing Director of The Hangar Theater. Their full season schedule and details for their virtual next-gen classes can be found on their website, hangertheater.org. Check out the Hangar Theater YouTube channel to see some of their recent virtual performances from their free virtual kid stuff programming and the virtual free performance of This Is On Fire by the Hangar Theater Lab Company, inspired by Chekhov's Three Sisters and the times we're living in. The next main stage shows will be Honk Your Horn on July 25th and Sense and Sensibility on August 8th. For WICB News, I'm Jay Bradley. That's all for this edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org. And if you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now on your favorite podcast app to hear this show anywhere you like. And the latest to hear a daily newscast every weekday wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search WICB News Presents. For more updates throughout the week, follow us on social media. Search for WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This show wouldn't happen without the support from Manager of Television and Radio Operations, Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager, Sam Ives, Programming Director, Lou Barron, News Director, Jay Bradley, and our correspondents, Lauren Leone and Vedant Akari. Thank you. All of the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff, who hails from Louisville, Kentucky. Have any feedback, story ideas, just want to say hi? Feel free to reach out by emailing news at wicd.org. We will be back next week with another summer edition of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. on Sunday. I'm Celine Starr, and thank you for listening to Ithaca Now on WICD.